0: Before we start the show, if you want more stock talking, check out my newsletter at tinyletter.com slash bbrostoff, or visit postcoronastocks.com. You can find me on Twitter at at bmb21. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Stock Talking, an exploration of financial markets in the context of the post-corona world. COVID-19 has changed the way we value equity, debt, and business as a whole. My goal is to find great companies who can thrive in the new normal. I can't wait to get started. All right. Welcome to another episode of Stock Docking. It is December 6, 2020. We picked a time to do this podcast for the market as at an all-time high, closing at 369 85 on Friday. Um, so everything just feels like it's going up. You could pick stocks at random and be doing pretty well. Uh, but The Impervious is here to talk about all of that. Sean, how's it going? Oh, it's lovely being back from
1: Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And really, I think we can just have a, a brief show here. Tell everyone to go out and get Tesla calls and, and call it a day. For all <laughs> the-
0: yep. Uh, definitely want to buy the market when the fear greed index is at extreme greed. I believe that uh, that's what Warren Buffett said in many of his famous letters. Well... You know,
1: to pick up where we left off, uh, here we are at more all time highs. This is a recurring theme lather, rinse, and repeat. But uh, SPY closing about uh, 370, the SPX 3700 on Friday, the NASDAQ or Triple Q index closing at 305.5, and the IWM closing at 188, respectively, uh, all floated higher on a pretty low volume week. Uh, and, you know, the story has just definitely been a consistent move higher. and uh, I think that there is definitely cause for some tweets to celebrate and don't th- think that they you know don't already have those drafted and, and ready to go. But, uh, you know, I don't know if it's time to start popping bottles just yet. So to your point there, you know, there's a lot of indicators pointing to uh, mass hysteria levels of, of uh, mostly call buying out there. Um, but a rally that's that's unsustainable, not to say that it can't continue going further and getting uh, even more. Uh, uh, ridiculous. But uh, there's definitely uh, a lot of reason to think that there is a potential down move. Now, last show, I called for sort of a more immediate move down. And we didn't see it, haven't really seen much of even a retest of any uh, level in most of these names with, you know, surprisingly, the uh, Russell small cap index being the most extended. And surprisingly, uh, the NASDAQ, even though it made new highs, has been relatively quiet of the the big three indexes. So um, there's definitely not, not a, a laggard to be found there at this point in time. And so I think there's a, a couple things that say you know there's going to be a sharp reversal at some point in, in the future. Uh, risk on or rather risk off happens pretty fast. And I think a lot of what we saw in the past week was largely fueled by dollar weakness um, so we saw the DXY, the dollar index, uh, break below the 91 handle, reaching new 2020 lows. Uh, and it looks like the downward move is, is continuing. Um, you know, A lot of people have been calling for inflation. Um, so this is not too much of a surprise, but it seems like the next stop is 2018 lows around 88.50. But there are signs that the dollar may have found a short-term bottom um, turning up at the, the end of the week on Friday. And so uh, stocks don't just go straight up and the dollar is not just going to go straight down. So there seems to be an inflection point uh, here where we see at least some, some correction here, uh, shaking out some of these uh, weaker hands in, in later retail entrants to the market, um, FOMOing at pretty terrible spots in a lot of um, very worthy but very expensive stocks. So um, all signs sort of technically, especially with the close... Friday point to a move higher on Monday, and really, I don't think that uh, anyone would be surprised if we get another piece of vaccine news. It seems like it's Johnson and Johnson's turn. Uh, even though I read recently, they don't plan to have uh, their results out uh, for phase two trials until early 2021, but they got some some type of headline cooked up for Monday. So I definitely would expect to see this this rally continuing higher. But um, there's a lot of calls for uh, melt up to to SPX 4,000 by 400. And I think just going directly there, no pullbacks is, uh, not how price action tends to work if you've looked at a chart for more than five minutes. So at some point there will be a, a, uh, risk reversal, but you know, to try and get in front of this in short, a rally that sort of got this type of momentum, uh, and, you know, haven't seen any, any selling get, get going to, to any, uh, degree that would give, you know, any of these, uh, very euphoric buyers, uh, any less confidence. So um, definitely early in the week, looks like the SPX is going to continue past that 3,700 handle. Um, but again, there's there's a few opportunities that we can get into, a few pieces of news that could potentially be a catalyst. But um, you know, be, being cautiously long it seems like the the most reliable strategy in the, the immediate term future. But I think the next big trade is is getting to get in on that that short. Yep.
0: Makes sense to me. I mean, it, the market, it, we talked to, you know, to begin the show, I, I brought up that extreme greed number from CNN's and Sphere and greed index. The other thing that kind of caught my eye is every Saturday, I'll try to pull all the major sector ETFs and look at the returns over the course of the year. This is maybe the first time I've looked at it where pretty much everything is up except for banks, utilities, real estate and energy. Um, but and some of those just barely down single digits. So I've said before on this podcast, when things indiscriminately sell off. So when you see all assets moving down, it's probably po- time to start thinking about buying. Uh, I think the same thing is potentially no less true for when everything starts going up all at the same time. Um, interesting to me that we've traditionally seen the you know work from home, COVID goes on forever, stocks go up and uh, back to work, stocks go down and vice versa. Um, this week, it, you could have picked anything and you, you would have had a pretty good week. So not sure what to make of this uh, incredible end of November early December rally, but as you said there, there are some news items that suggest uh, that there are reasons to be cautious so let's talk about some of those.
1: Well real quick, before we get into that, just a couple indicators to, to point out you know why, why there might be some cause for concern and um, th- there's plenty of, of bears out there, perma bears that are you know definitely uh, raising the, the same concerns as always but Uh, get a a little more traction. But one of the things that I'm seeing out there uh, is particularly with the pool index in gamut exposure. uh, A couple indicators I mentioned in the past coming from squeeze metrics. The dark pool index measures basically dark pool buying and selling. These are things that are uh, transacted off of um, the the traditional or lit market. So that really shows sort of what the insider activity is. Well, last week we saw a low print on the Dix, uh, which is the third lowest since um, March in the other two low readings being at the beginning of September and on the 12th of October. So right before the most recent sort of significant corrections. And with the gamma exposure basically being uh, how exposed call option buyers are uh, to a move up in, in price, um, that's at around $7 billion, which relatively speaking is is not, you know, the highest record we've or highest print we've seen on record, but uh, high enough to think that, you know there is quite a bit of activity right now coming from just call buying. You ask, you know, who's buying at these prices? Well, it's just the market makers and the primary dealers that need to hedge against all these calls that they've been writing, and that retail is buying. So if there is even a a gap down or some type of catalyst, not quite, you know, catastrophic. The world is ending, but if if those call options get closed out pretty quick, um, you know, it's a player like SoftBank exiting the. Uh, Wall Street bets game, then that could very quickly uh, cause a lot of selling in sort of very systematic fashion, uh, which could be compounded then by by some of the panic selling. Um, so there, there is a, a more risk of the higher we keep going without any, any check there. It's like pulling a rubber band and eventually it's going to snap. Uh, so that's why, you know, I'm looking forward to when it actually gets going a nice, strong, quick sell off, both to, you know, capture that downside. But you know, find a better entry on a lot of the, the great stocks that we can talk about a little further than the show. But, you know, as far as news goes, what was, what was tickling your ear this week?
0: So uh, a couple things. I think the stay-at-home orders, I don't know what to make of them. Um, I think there are probably two ways to interpret this. Uh, San Francisco Bay and I think California is the one everybody's paying attention to. But I think the, the two lines as you can view it through is this is indicative of how many policymakers are going to dictate policy um, as COVID becomes more serious. Uh, the second view is like, because there's such a public resentment of lockdowns and people kind of have adjusted to a new normal. Um, this is pretty draconian and, and what California is doing is not what other States can do. Truth is probably somewhere in the middle, interested to get your take on that. And then the second thing I wanted to talk about was the non-farm payroll numbers. Cause I, I do think those are a little bit soft and th- that actually probably worries me more so than kind of one-off COVID news.
1: Yeah, so a couple things there with the stay-at-home orders, and this is something that I feel like has definitely been uh, teased and will will sort of be rolled out uh, a lot more, a lot slower, or in a fashion that's a lot less jarring than it was back earlier this year. So um, this should be concerning for a lot of the restart narratives, um, considering that you know this is what really slowed down and will probably be the final nails in the coffin for small business. In um, the fact that this is happening in California, you, you have reason to believe that this is sort of inevitable elsewhere um, based on sort of the, the case count and a lot of the rhetoric um, from policymakers. So I, I, I don't think this will be the piece of news that is really some type of catalyst. It seems like uh, nothing about the California lockdown so far has really had an impact on price action. Um, but the number you mentioned with the non farm payrolls, which came out on Friday. Uh, the number was 245K versus 496K expected. Um, I find to be definitely a more concerning piece there, um, particularly because from an employment standpoint, unemployment standpoint, uh, recovery has really stalled. And this is going into a period of potential lockdown. So with a lot of the jobs being added being really jobs that were lost as a result of uh, the, the pandemic and shutdowns in places like service industry and hotels you know, those are a lot of new jobs that will be vacated. So you'll definitely start seeing an increase in unemployment claims. Um, and that seems like an inevitability too. something that Congress is positioning for uh, with a new sort of stopgap uh, stimulus package that would include unemployment. But I think that's definitely the more concerning piece there, just because um, when we are you know, trying to price in 2021 numbers, and we've talked in the past year, I think you're a lot more bullish about the outlook, at least early in 2021, um, there's a lot to indicate that just a vaccine alone is not really going to sort of be able to start something that's really slowed down and it, it, it's more endemic of you know an a, a, an entire economy uh, being in flux and not just sort of you know very compartmentalized issues elsewhere, but. Um, the the market really did not react to this this piece of news coming out, which you know these these numbers sort of in a vacuum, it's hard to interpret. But um, being off by you know forty percent on a uh, a number and something on the economic calendar is is you know pretty pretty bad in terms of how was the the bar set here so that it wasn't low enough to get over. So you know this should come as a shock to to the market, but um, really really no price action there. And another thing to toss out there is, you know, we saw a hiccup on Thursday afternoon when news came out that Pfizer vaccine shipments would be cut in half due to uh, supply chain shortages. So uh, we saw a, a brief bit of selling on Thursday was instantly bought up and we still hit a new all time high on Friday. So did not have a material effect, but did show that there, you know, is at least some some shaky ground that the vaccine narrative is is standing on here where we're basically pricing in the best case scenario, assuming that the FDA approves uh, a vaccine or multiple vaccines here in December, and then they're able to distribute at the level that they uh, have, have already advertised. And we still haven't seen these results in uh, a, a setting where they can really be analyzed. everything's been mostly self-reported, and we might not, you know have the opportunity to see the hard data until uh, the Fda review process, but if if we're looking at the best case scenario, um, which I think is is what is priced at the moment, I don't think it would take much on any one of these fronts to really. Uh, at least change sort of the perception of early 2021 and the immediate future of recovery. Um, So there's a lot in there, but, you know, I wonder if this changes your sort of outlook and bullishness going to 2021, especially some of the recovery plays that that you've pointed out in in previous shows. It,
0: It does just a bit. I think on an aggregate market basis, it's got a bit ahead of itself. So One thing I talk about on this pod a lot, and and that informs my own investing, is the idea of expectations investing. So you see a price, and it gives you a picture of what the market expects in terms of future cash flows. Um, There are various ways to do this, but that's really on an individual stock basis. So on an aggregate market basis, maybe there are some uh, macro indicators you could overlay against uh, the market itself. I mean, Eddie Ethelbean, who full disclaimer, I own an ETF he manages. I think he's a great portfolio manager, but he recently overlaid uh, the S and P five hundred against GDP, and you can see the market, you know, is is essentially leading what GDP is. Um, the market in March and April predicted this huge bounce back correctly, but you would think we would have to lap, you know, two thousand nineteen and actually increase from those levels uh, to get to where the market is expecting for twenty twenty one. So. The, when, from an expectations perspective, I, it's hard to feel more bullish than the market already is. I, I continue to be a bull on 2021, but as you said, the the thesis that you know it continued uh, uh, you know, recovery and uh, more vaccines—well, we have no vaccines now—but the introduction of a vaccine um, and some eventual solution to COVID will kind of fuel this incredible macro rally. Uh, you know, it's already priced in, so. I'm going to look for opportunities to buy on the dip, um, but I, I think market definitely has got a bit ahead of itself. That said, um, I do want to bring up that for a lot of stocks that the market loves right now, right? Software as a service, um, you know, some of the big tech names and, and some of the kind of uh, more blue chip names, whether it's like a Starbucks or a McDonald's they've actually done quite well during COVID. In fact, better than 2019 for um, a number of quarters, Q3 and, and probably Q4 specifically. So when we get to 2021, like there are a lot of companies that are going to have a very difficult comp compared to 2020. I know that's insane to say, but like the stocks the market likes the most are going to have a hard time lapping Q2, Q3, and Q4 2020. On the reverse side, some of the back-to-work stocks, which, which have got the most hammered, are going to have easy comps to lap. So If you look at like an MGM or a Penn National Gaming um, or like Booking.com or any of those guys, they're going to be up probably 50 to 100% year over year uh, because the 2020 comparison is so easy. So uh, I think once we get to earnings season, this is going to be a difficult dichotomy for the market to digest. I'm not sure how things will react. Um, But back to your question, like, has the bullishness changed anything I think? I think the fundamentals are going to be strong, but I don't think it's going to be a straight up recovery, right? Like the non-farm payrolls indicate there will be bumps in the the road. I fully expect with the vaccine, it's not just going to be supply chain disruptions like happened with Pfizer. There's probably going to be people who, you know, report unexpected symptoms and there'll be major questions about um, how people react to the vaccine that happens with any new medication. Uh, The PR won't be perfect and we're definitely going to see waves of COVID come in and out. Uh, sometimes more than the market expects, sometimes less. So the only thing I know is this is not going to be a linear move up. I fully expect a drawdown, maybe in the order of fifteen to twenty percent, at some point in 2021. Um, I mean, it was tweeted. <laughs> I feel like when I opened my Twitter on Saturday afternoon, it was like so the Bears were back um, and they were back like big time. Um, the one thing we know about 2020 is like no one's going to call it perfectly. So 2021, I don't believe it all. We're just going to see the market shoot up 20%. Um, there's going to be a drawdown. It's just a question of when. So yes, the to, to long-winded answer to your question, I fear for a drawdown, and I think the market has got way ahead of itself.
1: And so uh, I, I appreciate it. I feel like the roles are, are reversing a bit here. I feel like my market outlook is ten, tends to be a bit more bearish in in. In terms of just broad market uh, overview and outlook, whereas you know you're you're sort of the perma bull here, uh, long and strong at all times. And you know even even though I think that we can both agree, and just about anyone can agree that there's a potential for a drawdown. Um, you know, to, to to look at the other side, I guess the bull case here. Um, even though uh, sort of all the headline news and indicators, things like put call ratio being at you know 10 year lows, fear greed index, which you know isn't really worth anything when it comes to trading. Um, but just uh, other things like insider selling picking up pretty heavily right now, which could make sense with a lot of the high prices and valuations. You know one thing I would argue is that even if there is a drawdown in the future, I still feel like a move up, Uh, to sort of stratospheric highs is also an inevitability and it's just a matter of whether we recheck some some lows before we hit there or we try and go right there and something like the amount of bearishness that's sort of uh, becoming a little more ubiquitous on twitter does give me reason to believe that a actual bigger blow off top is still sort of yet to happen. And that's that's sort of the risk with, with calling a top in that, you know, if everyone piles in too early, that does give the fuel for a short squeeze. So on the other side of things, when you look at the price action, again, there's no, at least with the indexes and uh, futures, you know, very, very little sustained selling going on when there's things like uh, headlines, uh, Carnival Cruise Lines cancels their cruises through uh, February 2021. That uh, piece of news came out on Thursday day Uh, carnival closes up two and a half percent on friday so you know it really doesn't mean a thing and when the market's really not reacting to any news uh that might be negative or uh flies in the face of the current narrative um you're in a strong bull market so i think to deny this momentum is really missing out on what could be really the the big move to come in this rally the, the swan song before a potential uh sell the news event as we get into 2021 and as vaccines are deployed and you know, none of the problems are really fixed, especially if there is any delay to further fiscal or monetary stimulus. And that itself, you know, once it does get done presents uh, other issues and, and headwinds. But, you know, it could be possible that now is really the time to get in on that the upward move, even though everything is so overpriced, uh, th- that gives a lot more credence to the fact that, you know, another big last move is coming. And it's, it's kind of crazy to think that, with these multiples, you know there 's still precedent for even higher multiples when you look back at the the dot com bubble you know which not that you can justify any of these multiples, but you can at least say we haven 't hit a ridiculous enough level to think that it needs to sell off now, and so you know that 's why I like trading options at least in this particular instance, just because you can get exposure you know without needing to to be fully in the market fully long, and you can capture some of these. These big moves. So, you know, I'm definitely short term bullish in a lot of different sectors. In fact, the breadth we're seeing right now, uh, we haven't seen since um, the sell off back in June, where a lot of stocks in the broader market outside of tech saw their highs. And then a lot of the recent highs were really just driven by uh, NASDAQ and, and um, blue chip tech. But now that we are seeing broader participation from the rest of the market, I do think that there is, um, you know, strong, strong momentum here that will be hard to sort of just turn around on a dime. And, you know, the, that actual blow off top certainly hasn't happened yet if it is going to happen. Um, so that's something to definitely not miss out on. And if you're short, then, you know, you'll be dead and buried by the time that, that trade actually,
0: you know, it comes across. Yeah, let, let me zoom in on something you said. So the, the high multiple piece I think is applicable to many sectors in the market, tech being the top one. One exercise I did this weekend that kind of alarmed me was uh, Koifin, which is a great platform. Uh, you can open an account for free. Highly recommend it. Um, if you type in any ETF, you can look at the holdings and who's responsible for the contribution uh, as a percentage of you know, market weight and also the return. So if you look at SPY, you know, you're looking at a huge percentage of the return that is Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Google. Um, that and you know, Apple specifically is up whatever 50% this year whereas SPY, I think, is up whatever, you know, 10-ish, maybe it's now teens percent. So the stocks that are really driving the returns have inflated to these multiples that are significantly above what, like, an Apple has historically traded at. Um, Big cap tech, like, you know, I think the business picture is quite good, unless you want to factor in, like, you know, the kind of monopoly investigations into it, which who knows what will happen with that. But, like, it's certainly true that tech is trading above its traditional multiples. Could it go higher? Sure, as you mentioned, like it's not even close to what ninety nine levels were. Um, but the the stocks leading the market feel on a you know whether it's a price to sales basis or in very few cases a price to earnings basis feel extremely inflated. If you're using history as a basis, at first that was justified because people were saying, well, you know, COVID is creating this new environment where everybody is working from home. Therefore, we should expect these tech companies to see uh, a pull forward on earnings from the future coming into now. What's confusing to me is people are saying COVID is going to be done in, you know, second, third quarter of 2021. You would think that would deflate uh, some of the tech multiples, but that's not really happening. Uh, I think that's why I found myself so interested in back-to-work stocks. Like, uh, you know, a lot of the national cinema media thesis for me and the movie theater thesis is driven by the idea that, like, these stocks have gotten no bump to their traditional multiple and are trading, like, you know, 33% free cash flow yields, if any, if they go back to normalcy at all. So, you know, value value has gotten killed and value investors have not got a good rap um, compared to growth the last couple of years. But if you think there's going to be multiple contraction in tech and multiple expansion and back to work, I don't see why you wouldn't own back to work over tech. Um, So that's a long winded way of saying like, I, you know, I, I definitely reacted to your um, kind of like inflated multiple comment um, because I think it's a huge problem right now for technology. Um, it's one data point, but the Salesforce Slack acquisition, I mean, if you think about the fact that Salesforce paid $28 billion for Slack, that's not going to be an accretive acquisition. Slack isn't really producing earnings. Um, the only way to really analyze this acquisition is by saying, you know, looking at it from a data perspective and obviously Mark Benioff and the folks at Salesforce have way greater insight. To, into this than I do. Um, but when you, you see acquisitions being made like that for huge dollar sums and it not being accretive to the acquirer, um, that's super alarming to me. So I, I think we're we're at kind of a very frothy tech multiple here and it definitely scares me. And,
1: you know, that uh, with some of the mergers, I think an interesting parallel could be drawn um, with very rumored and not based in reality potential for, uh, the the meme mascot of of this particular market, Tesla, potentially acquiring another automaker, uh, one that actually probably has profitability and a significant number of cars in the road. But you know, with uh, it, names like Daimler, Chrysler being thrown out as a potential acquisition for Tesla, based on. Um, it's extreme valuation right now that you know smacks of AOL Time Warner in terms of just sort of like the inflection point in in the bubble when things just got too ridiculous and so I don't know if CRM and Slack is as ridiculous as that is I mean the the business model for Slack being sort of not profitable I mean that could be a much more expensive uh, version of Microsoft buying LinkedIn Um, you know so some synergy could could be found there but I do think, to your point, that is a little more symbolic of you know where we are in this bubble. And there's no doubting that that we're in a bubble there, especially you know with. Uh, and I don't think we talked about this last time. Um, the specter of Tesla officially being included in the S and P 500. And we got news last week that uh, the cap weighted amount of of Tesla that will be bought will all be purchased in one tranche on the uh, 21st of December which makes for sort of an insane potential market moment there, uh, either sort of, you know, the pin that could deflate things or um, at least the run-up to it, something that is really sort of the backbone of, of a move higher considering how much of uh, at least the NASDAQ uh, Tesla is responsible for. Um, but it, as much as, you know, we are getting to that point, I do think that the, the market makers and smart money are smart enough to know that just buying it in a single tranche And what sort of that means to at least the the dumb money and retail investor means that there's there's a high chance that we'll be seeing some type of chicanery leading into that and you can basically see that if you look at the uh volatility spike right around that time which drops directly after uh, with the spx Uh, and considering how much higher volatility um tesla is than than the index it's just going to introduce a ton of chaos just by you know stepping into the party there so, you know, there's a lot of elements here, you know, a lot of uh, powder kegs bouncing around that, you know, still haven't really sort of come undone. But, you know, for the time being, I do also think that uh, a lot of the stay at home stocks are, you know, if they do sell off in the likelihood of a, a successful vaccine deployment and a mass returning to work. Um, do represent a good opportunity moving forward just because I think now that we've been doing this long enough and, you know, I've talked about this in the past, I think people have settled into a different paradigm and a, a better way of doing things. So to think a lot of the cloud space, um, you know, as expensive as some of them might be, uh, are, are no longer as attractive is sort of missing the point of this sort of very forced migration to a lot of different ways of doing things. But, you know, in terms of multiples, uh, something that could be pointed out with uh, reopening and back to work that would raise real rates and that would ultimately lead to earnings compression if you're, you know, looking from a fundamental standpoint there. Um, but there's there's plenty based on, you know, the, the general central bank monetary policy to think that know, equity prices will remain inflated for the foreseeable future. So, you know, what really undoes that is something that I don't think we uh, right now can anticipate. You know, the uh, true black swan event, any of the things we've talked about likely won't be a catalyst for some type of down move. Um, but something like the collapse of the fiat currency switch to, you know, something like a, a, a digital currency, which does seem like an inevitability with a number of different governments rolling those out and working on those. Um, you know, we'll have at least the monetary impact on things and an uncertain impact on, on equities there. So for the time being, I don't really see that changing. But you know, if we look 10 years out, it's, it's kind of crazy to think how long this year has been, you know, to think what will be
0: going on even five years from now. Totally. I mean, long enough to get Tesla and the S&P 500, as you said, which, yeah, I thought I, I used to be a Tesla bull, you know, years ago. And I, I thought like for it to get to this market cap would take a decade. I, I mean, back, one more thought on kind of the Inclusion of Tesla and the S&P and I think this is similar to Salesforce going into the Dow. I think either this year or last year too. Like I own a ton of ETFs. My 401k is all passive investing I'm, I'm a fan of passive investing despite like some of the negative things that have been written about it and like its creator kind of Repercussions on investing in general, but it is true that like as you see more stocks with massively inflated multiples enter um, the S&P 500 or the Dow or the Russell 2000 uh, it just poses, I mean, they get more inflated when they get included in the index because obviously the funds have to buy them. And also, like, if, if you're a passive investor, like, I don't know if you necessarily signed up, right, to, to own some of these businesses um, that are going to have to shoot beyond the moon and the stars to, to get what the market is expecting. So I'm a little worried. Um, big Tesla fan, big Elon Musk fan. But for them to justify that market cap, it, it's going to take a lot of work.
1: Yeah, and... In- Another thought on Tesla, I mean, trading at about $600 and, you know, over a thousand um, price to earnings, it's probably no better example than, than Tesla of price changing sentiment in that, you know, I think a decent number of investors can talk themselves into the idea of this actually being, you know, some type of world changing company, uh, the more expensive it gets, even though it's, you know, quite clear that they're not even profitable, uh, if they don't have these regulatory credits um, from other automakers, and so that's that's sort of frightening to see that that narrative could could actually seem more appealing to some people as that price gets even more ridiculous. And one last thing to add, Michael Burry just announced that he is short Tesla. So I guess after all the other Tesla shorts are dead and buried, you know, Mr. Uh, Big Short, who you know don't forget how early he was on that, uh, might might just be the, the lucky guy because when it comes to shorting. It's probably the only trader being the last guy and uh, actually gets you
0: paid so yep. many you know, have many have tried few have succeeded on the tesla short so we will see how michael barry has done i mean i will point out i have some questions about his track record since the big short uh he was long gamestop he was long the stock uh, core point lodging where i think he got out of it but i unfortunately have owned that for about three years now <laughs> the thing has not been great so yeah, Barry's picks leave a bit to be desired um, since his initial heyday as uh, the big short investor. Um, I know, I'm looking at your watch list comments now. I know you have a, a bunch of names, friends of the podcast you want to talk about. Uh, before we move on to that, any additional thoughts on some of the news items from this last week?
1: Well, I want to throw you a bone, um, since you wrote a great piece about your bullishness in the theater space, uh, since a piece of news came out that Warner Brothers plans to release movies through HBO Max and theaters simultaneously, uh, sort of indicating a very COVID-centric move here to get their their, um, IP out on streaming platforms instead of exclusively through theaters. So one would think that is uh, bearish for movie theaters, and I think you would disagree. Um, but I, I certainly do uh, f- take pause in in that particular play just yet obviously the value there on based on what they're trading against book value it's you know something that's appealing to um, a value investor but i do think that this is a perfect example of uh, looking at 2021 with with not a critical enough lens in terms of you know what the immediate future is but um, definitely want to hear you be able to t- talk me out of of you know selling all of my uh, theater stocks that I don't actually have.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't be the first person. My inbox was quite full with many uh, readers of the blog and newsletter um, telling me to read this article, which which I did, and I've I've read Warner Media's CEOs, uh, his post on Medium, as well as uh, you know some. Commenters like uh, Matthew Ball, who's an incredible track writer as a venture capital investor, who has had a couple things to say um, about this move. So, I just want to lay out my thoughts. My first is every time you invest, you are allowing for a certain amount of things to go wrong in your thesis, or you should be. And the way you do that is you create a margin of safety based on the price you pay. Um, This is classic value investing stuff, it's stuff I believe in. Um, You should be able to take a haircut on. Parts of the thesis and, and still be okay. So certainly, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw the bears or the um, I'm going to throw the bears a, a bone here and say this is not good news for for movie theaters in general. Uh, but but the question you have to get into, and this is what I tried to write about um, in uh, I think Friday's stock talking, is where on the spectrum is this in terms of bad? Right? Is it extremely bad, like game over for the thesis, or is it like kind of bad? This is something that um, movie theater uh, could survive and and potentially it's not indicative of the future so i lean more to that end of the spectrum and there are a number of reasons why Um, i'll I'll get into two so the first is the specific picture around at&t uh warner media and hbo max and the second is kind of more uh, data points we have on movie theater since COVID started so let me let me do the first and then i'll go into the second so I recommend everybody take a look on a CNBC piece that came out Friday that was about um, AT&T under John Stankey, who became CEO in July of, of 2020. So since he took over, the vision is for AT&T, at least its media division, to compete with Netflix. And they want to do this through HBO Max. So HBO Max, for those who don't know, you pay 15 bucks a month, you get a ton of HBO content, and you also get uh, some other titles, including South Park and some other things that they've uh, invested in over the years and, and paid for the right to screen on HBO Max. HBO Max hasn't done well. Um, and Stanky has continued following this path, despite a lot of warnings from Warner Media executives who have, you know, to, to I, I would add, have left in droves, right? This article details a, a ton of flight they've had from Warner because people are not comfortable uh, under the new CEO's direction. But... Stanky and then the new CEO of Warner Media. Uh, basically, their goal is to get HBO Max on a path where it can compete with um, with Netflix. And they have a long way to go, right? So they have you know 36 million subscribers compared to you know the almost 200 million Netflix has, and they haven't been growing nearly as fast as as Netflix has. And it's not just Netflix. Remember, they have to compete with it's it's Disney Plus, it's Hulu, and a bunch of other streaming services. So. The article suggests, and I agree with this, that this move to put all the movie releases for 2021 onto HBO Max was in part a, a move to prop up HBO Max and to make it more competitive with Netflix. Um, if you think about it, this actually has nothing to do with the movie theater industry long-term. It has to do with at and direction as it pertains to its media division. Uh, I don't think you can necessarily say that Warner Media is the same as like a universal is the same as like, you know, every single studio, there are many studios all around the world. Um, Not all of them are trying to compete with Netflix, many are very content to just stay in the movie theater industry. And, And you know, movies at large, like watching a movie at a theater is a very different experience from at home. This is this is how IMAX operates as a company, right? IMAX says, we believe the theater experience and the experience we provide through 3d glasses through best in class sound, through best in class technology, is fundamentally superior to what you would get sitting on your couch. And we're willing, we will charge a higher price and it's worked. IMAX has actually done pretty well as a public company. So that, that's my thoughts on kind of at and specific strategy and why it's not the same as some secular decline in movie theaters. On movie theaters in general, I, I mean, I've written about this a ton in my newsletter, but we've seen Japan and China do really well during COVID um, at theaters. In China, we're above 2019 box office levels. Um, There have been a number of titles that have done really well. In Japan, there was this movie Demon Slayer, which was the number one box office sensation there of all time. So highest box office receipts in Japan. Um, in the United States, we're starting to see some movement. So Crude's was the big movie. Crude's 2 a New Age, haven't seen it, haven't seen the first one either. Um, but this movie came out on Thanksgiving and for a five-day weekend did better than Tenet. Um, you would think like this kid's movie, you know, Chris Nolan is a a legend right if you know anyone who's seen dark knight and some of his other films knows how great he is the fact that crude's two, you know again a movie about these animated you know, dreamworks characters um the fact that that could do better than tenet suggests to me opinions and behavior have changed a whole lot during covid um you know tenet got punished because it came out whatever april may um kind of during the height of uh, the beginning of covid so i think that shows that uh the things are changing. Consumer preferences are changing. Again, worth noting that um, I read the analysis about how Croods was going to do prior to the movie coming out. Um, and, you know, it was whatever, 10 to 13 million. I think it's going to close in on 20 million coming into this week. Um, so it smashed expectations. If you read national cinema media's um, transcript on the, on the presentation it just gave to bank of America, um, they were celebrating it. Um, it. It's definitely deservedly getting a lot of press as a, a good data point going forward. So overall, I think there's a lot of reasons to be hopeful in the movie theater industry. And as I said before, um, continue to believe that like this announcement um, of uh, Warner Media and uh, dual releasing it on um, HBO Max and in theaters, I think it's more about at and Warner Media and HBO Max than it is about movie theaters. So that's my two cents. Uh, thanks for throwing me a bone there. I'm, I remain long the stock. Uh, right now, it feels like being a Tesla bull in 2018. I've made no friends and a ton of enemies. So <laughs> continuing to hold the fort, uh, hopefully one day I'll be proven right.
1: Well, let, let me make the, the bearish case real quick, which is that Hollywood has run out of ideas long, long ago. I mean, my God, the thing's coming out. This is garbage. We're, we're talking about crudes 2 here right that that's going to get me off of my couch to go sit in a seat that thousands of other people have already farted in to to watch you know the the citizen cane of our times Crudes too you know once once they get
0: some better ideas i think that this is a, a an unloved industry to yeah. well, one quick closing thought on that though it's like star wars is not gone Mar the marvel universe isn't gone mission impossible is not gone bond's not gone Yeah, I just gave you four top-tier franchises that are known for creating box office sensations. I think moving any four of those to um, at-home premium video on demand only is not like... If they're doing that, they're killing a great thing. Because you think about the last Avengers movie, it smashed every single record in the history of movies, period. I mean, I I don't understand why you would try to dismantle that model. There's no proof that those top-tier blockbuster films, um, there's no demand for people to see them at the movies.
1: Well, boots on the ground here. The, uh, one of the newest Star Wars will be filming in, in our uh, hometown, uh, Boston, here. So,
0: lightsaber. I had, I had no idea. Uh, I'm not sure why <laughs> they would pick Boston for that. Uh, maybe there's some, like, Jedi uh, connotations to you know, Marty Walsh's incredible... Sensing of the force. I don't know. But well, uh, interesting.
1: Yeah, so listeners, we'll will have direct eyes on the state of, of movies for
0: you. So stay tuned for updates there. Excellent. All right. Let's uh let's talk about your watch list. I know you got some some names you're watching going into this week. Yeah, to
1: get real real tactical here, um the the plays I'm, I'm watching moving forward, and I think one of my favorite ones coming up, uh one we've talked about 4-1 I know that you like especially, uh, Cloudflare ticker N-E-T. Uh, technology is internet, something everybody uses every day. Uh, but you don't need to know any of that to see that it closed Friday uh, at an all-time high above the 77 handle. Um, this has been pulling out of a bull flag with strong momentum. Um, great business, and I can let you expound on that a little bit. But um, all of the lines in uh, wavy, colorful things on my chart that there's a lot going beyond 80 uh, here. So that, that's just one that has shown um, a lot of strength um, each time it makes a, a new all-time high. Great discount a couple weeks uh, ago after the vaccine sort of pump for, for the uh, back-to-work stocks, stocks and dump for the state home stocks. For some reason, um, Cloudflare Flair stole off. So that's one to always add on a dip. Also, what we're seeing out there, chip stocks were ripping last week. Um, A lot of eyes on AMD, uh, hitting a new all-time high, closing um, above uh, the 94 handle, actually, on Friday. Um, So saw a lot of call sweeps on that one. Um, Definitely potentially a crowded trade. But with the, the movement in chip stocks, the play I like in that space is TSM, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, a chip fab, so the guys that actually make the chips for those names like AMD and NVIDIA and otherwise. Uh, strong move on Friday. And if that can break above the 104 handle, uh, there's definitely some daylight above. So if we continue to see the market trend and follow through in the chip space next week, um, definitely looking to to TSM. and I'm sure a lot of listeners probably already have exposure there to AMD. Uh, but on the flip side, I do think that there is a good hedging opportunity with the Uh, some of these inverse ETFs, particularly the Sox S, which is a uh, triple levered inverse ETF on chip stocks there. Um, So with a lot of them hitting all time highs, you know, if we do have some sort of uh, correction or downturn, I think that there is a good chance to um, at least hedge yourself with, um, you know, a cheap play like that, especially triple inverse Uh, On on Sox S and a quick shout out friend of the podcast CrowdStrike real big move on impressive earnings beat last week um, breaking past the all time high closing at about 167 Uh, pretty extended and pretty hot but uh, this is one I'm definitely looking to add any dip. Um, you know, We saw this trading at you know, just $97 back in August, but here we are uh, where I'm finding value at the previous all-time high of 153 if it does have a retest of that level. Um, and there's a number of stay-at-home stocks that I think are particularly appealing, especially with um, stay-at-home orders coming down. You know, if that doesn't really act as a catalyst for general market down move, it's definitely bullish uh, for things like Activision, uh, Blizzard, video game company here heading into the holiday season uh you know with releases like a new call of duty um looking for a big move there and we saw the starting uh first glance of that on friday with atvi um breaking above the 80 handle there um so a a nice move to 83 again with the the whole market sort of following the same path that has been seems sort of inevitable. Um, And this, as with a couple of the other plays I'll point out, is still sitting below its all-time high with ATVI. That's around $87. So considering where we're at with a lot of really overextended, uh, very overpriced stocks, there are other ones that are good plays that are expensive, but still, you know, well enough below the previous all-time high to think that there is still You know, value there, assuming that the narrative and story really hasn't changed, Um, which is what I'm definitely seeing with DocuSign. uh, Also, had earnings last week and, like CrowdStrike, uh, posted a a nice move after earnings closing the end of the week just above 243. Um, This is one that, after sort of having a pretty parabolic run back in the summer up to 290, uh, has sort of been consolidating in a range just below or above 200 and below 235. Uh, so if if we see it tag anywhere between 240 and 235, I'm definitely looking for an entry there um, with some upward targets of, of 267 and 290. So um, a significant amount of upward potential there uh, with the right entry. And one more play that we saw have a nice earnings uh, report last week, Cloudera, uh, one I think you might have some, some thoughts on. Um, it's sort of been consolidating between 10 and 12 bucks, finally broke above. 1250 uh, um, and they'll close just at 1241. Uh, announcing a $500 million um, stock buyback plan. I see great risk reward on Cloudera, especially for long entry here, as opposed to sort of a, a short swing or capitalizing on the momentum. Um, but definitely a, a good entry point for one that I think has a lot of potential long-term. And to, to revisit our our gold and crypto friends out there, uh, gold sh- Showing some signs of life last week, uh, breaking above the 1850 handle on gold futures, um, which you know, considering how uh, Bitcoin has really been breaking out in, you know, there had been a narrative about rotation from gold to Bitcoin as sort of uh, a better store of wealth. Um, we saw Bitcoin consolidating last week with with gold making that move, but um, seeing the dollar potentially turning up, you know, I think that there is a, a potential for uh, retest on gold around the 1800 level. Uh, might not break below 1835, but that's where I'd be looking to to enter for a nice trade through the, the end of the year, um, particularly following COMEX expirations on 1218 uh, when a lot of those contracts expire. And gold being as manipulated as it is, uh, generally you can expect some type of volatility or chicanery, uh, particularly around those COMEX expirations. So uh, a good time to buy uh, in advance of it and definitely want to sell before, uh, but also good entry. So uh, we'll be looking to definitely add more gold towards the end of the year. And crypto has been consolidating nicely after some big moves. I think a lot of people like Peter Schiff are expecting a sell-off, but uh, with um, GBTC, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, uh, a passive fund in the space um, entering and presenting themselves as basically uh, a, a buyer only and a, a participant that's unlikely to sell. I think that we'll see Bitcoin having uh, a lot of the the benefits that the general market has with passive funds, really um, dictating a lot of the buying right now. And you know, not really showing um, any any need to sell, which they wouldn't um, unless there's some type of drawdown from from their investors. But it seems like people only invest there and are not looking to pull their money out. So. Um, Just see more and more entries into the Bitcoin space and you know more hodlers versus speculators So uh, a move above that all-time high in Bitcoin for 20,000 seems sort of inevitable with the the consolidation we got going on Um, But I do also like the potential for gold especially towards the end of the year
0: Yeah, three quick thoughts. I want to go Bitcoin um, Cloudera and then I'll close with uh, Cloudflare so on Bitcoin um, interesting announcement that Visa is now offering a uh, a card that has a rewards program that pays you out in Bitcoin. Obviously, not really a whole lot for them to do there, right? We'll just buy a Bitcoin instead of giving you our, the normal rewards. Um, it seems like a pretty low lift technologically for them. But again, to me, it, it's proof that there are more adapters, uh, more people integrating Bitcoin into their products. And to me, there's perhaps it's a self-fulfilling prophecy you see companies like Square, there's a company called MicroStrategy that made Bitcoin a significant part of their balance sheet. Companies building products around it. We've seen PayPal do this. We've seen Square do this. Now we're seeing Visa uh, you know, incorporate Bitcoin into what they're giving to consumers. So as more companies feel pressured to do something with Bitcoin, as more financial institutions feel pressured to have exposure to it because it's in the news so much, and I'm sure clients are asking, hey, do we own any Bitcoin? And if it keeps going up in price, uh, you know, the great flywheel continues I think it's, it's just like Tesla. It's very difficult to be short Bitcoin. Uh, my money is on it going higher. Uh, full disclosure on a very small amount, um, purely as a inflation hedge, um, I am not a Bitcoin expert. Um, Cloudera, I think it's super interesting they're buying back half a billion dollars in stock. Um, I can't think of a single large cap or mid cap tech company that's done a stock repurchase program in the last two quarters. Um, I owned a little bit of Hortonworks a couple years ago. Uh, Cloudera merged with them. Their core product is services around Hadoop. Hadoop is a big data tool that helps companies ingest huge amounts of data and store it as well. Um, I think Hadoop has fallen a bit out of uh, its romance with developers. It's not nearly as popular as it used to be. That said, I know Goldman Sachs and some other large financial institutions, telcos and others, are still using Hadoop. So again, if the, if the company likes its own stock, um, it's probably a good place to do, start doing some research. So that, that might be a name I'll, I'll take a look at. Uh, finally, Cloudflare. I mean, what an incredible run. Um, we, I wrote about this like months ago. Um, I think it's hard to get behind the current valuation, but I just want to you know commend Matthew Prince for being a great CEO. I think he's so good at marketing the, the company. I mean, you think about Cloudflare and all the stuff it does, right? It's not just a CDN. It's not just a security company. Now it has a worker's product where you can compute serverless functions at the edge um, so, like, you're allowed to kind of write your own programmable API stuff uh, using Cloudflare's infrastructure. Um, I mean, Math Prince was on CNBC recently saying, like, we're doing no less than building kind of our own network out um, that we're going to allow developers to, to build on top of. So, CDN, security products, serverless, I mean, they're doing a whole bunch, and he's, he's even better at writing about what they're doing. They had developer week, uh, I think, so at some point this summer. This week, they announced they're doing a privacy week. I read their first blog post. Um, all about kind of DNS and being consumer first and making sure privacy and regulations and other things are respected. Um, so Matthew Prince, just incredible at marketing the company. I, I give him huge credit. Uh, that stock has gone from whatever, 30 bucks to, to 77. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll make a, a, a crazy statement and th- think we could see a hundred bucks by the end of the year. Um, not, a, not a stock you want to short. Um, they're at the forefront of a lot of trends going on in the technology world. So uh claps and uh and applause to Cloudflare, um but yeah I like the sounds so yeah a lot of interesting uh things on your watch list um i may partake in some trades around all of them
1: and a, a couple uh closing thoughts here just to tie up the crypto uh thought you know just do want to give myself a little pat on the back here with riot and marathon um, right, blockchain and marathon, both being crypto stocks out there. Right, closed at uh, an even 10 bucks on Friday, uh, Mira just below 550. So, both those basically doubled um, since I first threw that one out there. If you are bullish on crypto, I think you have to like crypto stocks. Similar thesis to gold in gold miners, um, particularly in that you know this is something that has a yield, it's an actual business and it's trading on uh, an exchange versus you know having to go to some crypto exchange to actually get um, crypto so instead of doing something like buying gbtc i think getting exposure through these crypto miners presents much much more upside in terms of you have a a better chance i feel like of doubling uh your your investment especially from this point on a crypto stock assuming that you know, Bitcoin achieves any of the even more modest valuations. Say it doubles from here. Um, it's it's reasonable to expect a outsized move from those crypto miners who haven't run up as much. So, um, just like uh, gold mining stocks, they'll tend to lag uh, the spot price of, of whatever it is they're mining. Um, but do tend to almost act as sort of a, a levered instrument in terms of uh, the move relative to spot there. So uh, I don't think it's too late for either of those, even though there has been a run up, you know, I've seen some nice consolidation and it wouldn't be unreasonable to expect some type of sell off in Bitcoin at around that all time high. And that's certainly going to affect uh, Riot and Marathon. But um, to, to see either of them below, you know, three or four dollars, uh, which is where they have been sort of consolidating for the better part of the year, um, is unlikely so to 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 add on on a dip and one last one that's sort of a galaxy play here this a, if this were dfs you know this would be a gpp pick um is a fubo so a company that provides uh sport streaming packages uh so recently popped on earnings uh Uh, revising up their yearly subscriber total for their sports subscription packages while also announcing plans to integrate sports gambling uh, into their streaming service. So um, definitely a growth play, only IPO'd I believe last September. Uh, So I've only been trading for just over a year, but um, I've heard this sort of likened to an early stage Roku play. So if you like that over the top play, and especially with sports gambling mixed in, uh, I think that's that's one to watch. You know, had been watching for better entry than where it's at here after you know almost doubling um in the last quarter. Uh it does seem pretty pretty inevitable that a strong move over thirty dollars will um be happening here. So FUBU another one FUBU for us bias. Uh FUBO uh one to add on the watch list.
0: Very interesting. Uh one thing I want to say about Riot. I mean I can't speak to Marathon because I think it's more patent related than Riot, like you know, I, I've been wondering for a very long time what the economics look like for Bitcoin miners. It all depends on your hash rate. It all depends on the number of Bitcoin outstanding and how much that quantity will decline because it gets harder to mine as, as time goes on. Riot does not have earnings calls. And I actually emailed their investor relations saying, when are you, can you guys provide any commentary on your economics or um, can you have uh, earnings calls so we can ask you questions? Their response was there's not enough interest uh, to have those calls. I don't think that's true. Uh, but again, uh, not going to knock uh, their investor relations department. But you know, I, I'd request it one more time. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, Sean and I are both interested. So please, please have earnings calls so we can ask you about your mining economics. I
1: guess uh, when you're in the crypto space, transparency is is not exactly uh, you know
0: <laughs> standard. Yeah. I thought transparency was what they were selling, right? It's supposed to be this incredible, like decentralized uh, network where you can see every transaction. Every person who bought or sold, and that's apparently the problem with the uh, centralized, you know, um, human-based uh, transaction of money. So uh, I, I would I would say, hey, uh, hey, Riot, let's like put your money where your mouth is in terms of uh, how decentralized networks work.
1: Look, Ben, I'm not
0: investing here; I'm trading. That's right. There's investing and there's speculating. All right, uh, we have some scores to settle. Um, you want to go through? First our our bets, and then we can talk about Wallstar Stars, our new DFS stocks trading game. Um, so on the bet side, um, our value versus growth bet, BRKV versus Triple Q. Um, despite me being up 27%, you are up 44%, sir. So congratulations that that was made May 1st. So some very nice outperformance for you. Ah, uh, yes, yes, you know.
1: As, even though I keep mentioning how it uh, would be nice to short the, the NASDAQ, it, it sort of looks like uh, a lot of the big names, Apple, Microsoft, uh, Netflix, to name a few, are, are starting to break out a little bit there. Um, some of the movements checked at the end of the week, but nothing to indicate that uh, what was right back earlier this uh, year is going to continue to be uh, right into 2021. So um, no, no reason to doubt the big cap. Megatech and no idea what's going on with my boy Margaritaville, but hope he has a nice uh, holiday season.
0: I I will say, as a shareholder uh, of Margaritaville, I I am very pleased with Berkshire this year. Obviously, not as pleased as I would be with uh, Triple Q, but he's done well. All right. Um, MGM versus CrowdStrike. Uh, MGM actually had a really nice run this week. Um, I I would love to see what the total return is, but I feel like it went from like 27 to 30 bucks. Um, It's up 42% since we made this bet August 10th. However, no match for CrowdStrike, which is up 72% during this time period. So I am long both. Um, Wish I had more CrowdStrike, but great call by you, sir. (laughs) Uh, Finally, uh, the one bet where I am uh, beating you quite handily, uh, Crocs versus Skechers. I do want to point out Crocs announced another partnership with Post Malone. Uh, There will be some gibbets, uh, one including of a rubber duck, which Post Malone appears to be quite fond of. Um, So Crocs continues to innovate in the celebrity partnership space. Crocs up 57% since August 17th. Skechers trailing at a mere 24%. So I do get the victory there.
1: And I I look forward to uh, dialing into that earnings call to hear analysts asking questions about Post Malone
0: and Gibbets. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Hopefully they'll make him available to answer some investor questions. All right. um, In our new game, Wall Stars. So you, once again, handily beat me. Um, On the strength of your CrowdStrike long, so you were up 10%. Um, You also did pretty well on Cloudflare, which is up 4%. uh, Apple, which is up 5%. Um, Despite losing out on DraftKings, uh, SPY, and Walmart, um, still was able to return 9% overall. Compared to me, who once again was burned by attempting to short Moderna, that cost me a huge 20%. Um, Everything else was kind of a scratch. I ended up being down 13%. So a nice victory for you. Um, This week got some interesting plays. Uh, I'll let you talk a bit about your lineup, but you got VXX, uh, Cloudflare, TSM, Activision, SPY, and Triple Q. So please talk about your thought process there.
1: Yeah, I I do like the VIX long in this spot. Um, It does look like uh, uh, a continued move up or or blow off top is going higher, but you know, one thing I probably should have brought up on the watch list um, that been tracking and sort of also points to some type of move down. Uh, we saw VIX uh, having a very tight correlation with the SPX, meaning that uh, this volatility index was going up as the price was going up with the S&P 500. Uh, they tend to act in an inverse manner, even though you know that's not uh, true in all cases. Um, but when volatility is correlated with the index, that's usually uh, a prelude to some type of drop. So you will see VIX turn up. And make a a strong move before a drop actually happens. That's usually one of the more reliable tells. Uh, So, you know, if I could get UVXY, a nice leveraged instrument to um, be long volatility, that's probably how I'd play. Uh, But we saw VIX really sort of. Um, bottom out last week and looks like it's starting to make a move up correlation dropped a little bit towards the end of the week but i definitely do like a nice vix spike from here and you know with vix the volatility turning up that definitely looks like uh potential for a big home run and if i'm wrong you know it's only down a few points there but good to hedge against my long plays here which are Cloudflare, like we talked about uh tsm and atvi uh two big plays on the watch list but uh, to hedge against that short scenario on the, the budget side of my lineup here, looking to short SPY and queue just in case we do see uh, some type of pullback and correction, you know, which could be on the order of, you know, up to 5%, you know, just a a risk off happening in sort of a blink of an eye. Um, but that looks like a pretty similar lineup to to what we've been running out before, and just like your Moderna short. Um, you know, it's it's not wrong. It's just early with some of these short plays. So when
0: when that hits, it's going to be big. Yeah, good transition. That is what I led my lineup with this week. uh, No disrespect to the folks at Moderna. They are out there saving the world. Uh, We would not be where we are without them. But I have decided to short their stock. Uh, Again, insiders were selling in the 60s and 70s. No insider buying um, during this uh, massive run up. So I am short. Um, I did go long the rest of my uh, portfolio here. So Cloudflare, again, I think uh, privacy week is going to get more attention towards the stock, more buying, SPY, uh, I think this rally continues. Gold, obviously, you know, with the new stimulus bill out, we're going to expect to see some type of inflation. Uh, Walmart and PayPal as continuations of uh, the strength of the holiday season. If Black Friday, Cyber Monday is any indication. Um, you know, I, I recommend everybody take a look at some of the, sh- the data Shopify made public. Uh, pretty incredible BFCM. But I think the, uh, the Christmas holiday season is going to be big. So Walmart and PayPal are my final two longs. We will see who wins this week.
1: And just a reminder, folks, uh, the Wall Stars game here. This is basically DFS for stocks. We'd love you to participate. I uh, don't know if Ben's ready to, to get this for your viewing pledge, but working very diligently here on a nice web app so you can participate and compete with your uh, Brainiac hosts here as far as uh, your stock picking skills. So check the Twitter if you want to get in on this action, we look forward to uh, talking smack with all of you. On
0: yes, your- sir. DM- I would say DMs are open, and if you'd like to participate in kind of a private beta um, let us know, and we will make this available to you. All righty. Any, uh, any closing words before we wrap this up, up? Yeah? Mm.
1: Cash rules everything around me, cream. Get the money. Dollar, dollar, billion.
0: Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes of Stock Talking and read a blog with my latest trade recommendations, market commentary, and more, visit postcoronastocks.com. Thank you